You're listening to 1590 Afterwards. Great show today, Spence. I got to sit here for most of it. Yeah, you were here for uh, quite a while. You had a a wonderful comic that's going to be at your show for a Friday night in Santa Paula. Yeah, the lovely and talented Melanie Baldonado. By the time this post, the show will have passed, but I would highly recommend you get out, check her out, follow her on the Instagram and all that stuff. She's a really good comic. And she had a great story about a conversation she heard about a terrible tragedy in our lives, but it's just funny how things go. And it was about uh, uh, Lady Diana. But the conversation, it strikes me in a couple of ways. One, it was very human, actually. Right. And it was also humorous, which is hard to get your arms around, but it really was uh, something else. So uh, she, you can tell from the start she's funny because she can, she can tell a tale, yeah. uh, which she did with this one. So it was all about a keg and a party. She's a cross-country runner. See, I remember everything. Oh, all yeah. the details. But she was funny. So... Uh, it, as it goes, usually the comics around here will play two or three times in the community mm-hmm. in a year. Right. So you'll be able to catch up and see them. And one day, will it ever come to the point where you might um, record this, like video it, so then you can just post a night of giggles? Well, that's not a bad idea. Uh, Maybe do a streamy type of a thing. We, we thought about it back when the pandemic was uh, was really heavy because there were so many people that, there for people that were really wanting to get out, there were a lot of people, too, that were really afraid to leave and just wanted to stay home. So we thought about doing like a live streamy thing and then just ended up uh, not doing it because of the amount of effort it took. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Was the brick wall guy the improv? Because he had one of the first, and I'm I'm Bud. Bud Friedman, yeah. Bud Friedman, yeah. And he had the comedy and that blew up. And everybody said, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to put a camera on these young comics, up and comers, and some of them ended up being the greatest comics in the world. He's the guy that has people talk in front of the brick wall. And it was just great. An evening at the Improv, that's correct. We we could start doing that. Something like that at the the Hangar Bar. So I see I'm I'm assigning you to work. I like that. This is great. I want to start off with a little bit of historical trivia in a sport that I know you love, baseball. Today is the day. It was back in 1935. Babe Ruth hit his final home runs. In one game, he went 713, excuse, 713, 712, 713, 714, because his record was 714. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty remarkable. Babe Ruth stuff, what do you have? Oh, it's funny that you mentioned that. I actually have a few different, um, which I consider kind of like, I call it the holy grail of the relic cards. I have a few of the game-used uh, game Babe Ruth bat cards that have like, um, you know, little pieces of Babe Ruth uh, game-used bat. Obviously, they have a, you know, they're worth a couple hundred bucks each. I have probably four or five of them. And then I have um, also some, uh, which I really like, is the stadium seat relics. And the reason I like the stadium seat relics in that kind of a delivery, you know, cut down to smaller pieces is because they take up so much space. You know, I have a lot of Candlestick Park stadium seats, and I have some from, like, Cowboy Stadium, different stadiums and stuff. And they take up so much space. But when they're on the little relic card, it only takes up that little, you know, the same amount of space as a credit card. So I really like that. And so I have a, that kind of Babe Ruth stuff. I don't, the autographs, nothing like that, because that's, uh, number one, they're really hard to find that are legitimate. And if you do find one, they're very expensive. Yeah, and how do you get it verified, and where did you get it from? And was he a signer? I know this goes way back before your time, but was Babe Ruth a signer? How mm-hmm. were athletes back then on signing? I don't know. He, I think he was one of the first really good signers. That I think he, he would was, do that. Yeah, I think he signed a lot of stuff. But, you know, it's, it, back then they signed everything in, you know, like the fine point pen and the, 
you know, a lot of that stuff didn't stand the test of time. So, you know, a man of the people. But yeah, so it wasn't how many people had a Sharpie back then? Right. Probably <laughs> not many. So that that is the deal. It's something I never think about with autographs. Interesting thing about 714, 714. Friday's badge number on Dragnet was 714. So at the beginning and end of the episode, when you saw his badge up there, it was 714. Now, there was a lot of, back in the, the druggy hippie days, which some people went through, 714, that was the number that was stamped on a quaalude. It was R-O-R-E-R, Roarer, 714. That was a quaalude back in the day, which was a, a drug that was made for a reason and a purpose, but then it didn't work out so good, but it became a real popular drug for people to do. Right. A quaalude was a big deal. So some people claimed that the 714 was a wise guy that put it on the badge to say, hey, I'm, I'm sliding in this little drug joke. Other people have told me that, no, Jack Webb was a huge baseball fan, and he wanted 714 on because that was Babe Ruth's home runs. Then I go to Google, and I find out yet another one that's really interesting. They are saying here, Friday's badge number seen at the beginning and the end of each episode of Don, 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 Don. Everybody knows. Did you know Dragnet? A little bit, yeah. A little, maybe from Nickelodeon could be something yeah. like that. because I didn't watch it, but I'm familiar with the, the music and the intros and the all that. The great acting. Yeah. You've got to, if you can watch a Dragnet, it is some of the best, straightforward, down with the law broadcasting <laughs> ever this was very very pro-authority pro-police officer very much so but this is interesting so this one I, I get from the internet i had never heard this very simply the badge number 714 is the area code for orange county oh, sergeant man. dan cook the technical advisor arranged to have its number issued to him when he was promoted to lieutenant so they say that's why it went up there Okay, so now we have three. It's either a Quaalude, an area code, or it's Babe Ruth's number of home runs. Hmm. Okay. Or maybe it's just somebody's birthday. Yeah, 714. Mine's 716. Oh. I was close. See? 716. Yeah, very, very close. Uh, so there you have it with a little bit on Babe Ruth. And it's a wonder of baseball because the other thing, now we've got to measure years, and I'm not going to cheat and Google this one. But if you take Babe Ruth, so that was 1935, that he got the record. It was about 40 years later that Hank Aaron hit his 715th. Mm. It was right in there because it was 70-something. Isn't it weird to think Bonds pretty much, what year would it have been that he hit his, uh, what would have been maybe 755th or something because the, the record was up and around there that Aaron had for those years. But it's funny to think generationally, it's almost the same gap. Yeah, almost about 30, 30 yeah, years. About. Between yeah. each one. That's, yeah. that's the gap that they had. And not that I was a fan of the Giants, but that man could hit. Yeah. He was, was so intimidating. It was so exciting because he would hit the, you know, obviously the, with with the new ballpark and, and the balls going out into the McCovey Cove mm -hmm. and getting oh, a big the big splash. The kayaks would go after him. So great. It added a lot of personality to the game. The other thing that was really funny, by the way, I despise the man. How good of a hitter was he? He didn't strike out. They either walked him because they were afraid of him or he knocked the damn thing out of the park. He had such a curious ability to hit the ball. He really did. I mean, really an amazing player, but I don't like him. <laughs> but he should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he should be in the it's Hall of Fame. It's just stupid.
He yeah, should be in the Hall of Fame just for his contributions before he even made it to the Giants. Yeah, he would have been in there before. And the steroid card, it's like, okay, I get mad at it too, but our Gagne, he was a steroid boy and he won a Cy Young. And, you know, people have done that. But the guys like McGuire, I know he did the drug and I know he cheated, but he blew baseball up. Yeah. He was really responsible for getting a lot of eyeballs on that game. So now you're mad at him. You know, it's just like... We, we did, used to take, I was on the swing shift and we worked on airplanes out at McClellan Air Force Base while that whole race between Mark McGuire and Sammy mm-hmm. Sosa was going on. And there we always had a spotter when those guys were batting because you'd keep it on ESPN and they would go live to the games whenever one of those guys was at bat. And sure enough, everybody poured right into the break room and we'd watch the, watch the at-bats together. Such a big deal. It yeah. really, it remade baseball. It brought personalities back because you had those two guys going at it. They were, they were both good front men for it. And you couldn't have had a more diverse, you know, between the two guys as yeah. far as, you know, where they came from and all of that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't get mad at that. Don't get mad at it at all. And it's it just when I see that he doesn't make it, um, one side of me makes me laugh a little bit because he was a giant. But the other side is, who are we kidding? Mm-hmm. Who are we kidding? Just look at his baseball card and you'll know how great he was. Let's carry on. Another one, 1977, a little movie called Star Wars hit the theater. Right. Now, what age were you when Star Wars came out? I was about four. And see, so no, no clue whatsoever. But I do. the weird part is I really do remember remember because i believe it was might have been the first time my parents left me with a babysitter i do remember them leaving for the movie i remember them leaving for the movie and being like wait what and i didn't know i didn't know anything about star wars or anything like that and then later on they explained it became a thing and you ended up enjoying it a lot yeah it became quite the fan so i was definitely of age because i was i was i must have been let's do math really quick here i must have been 19 uh, when it came out and it was such a big deal, and we were talking about it. That's why we call this afterwards for 15 minutes and 90 seconds. During the morning show, just saying all of the things Star Wars created, it really created movie merch oh, yeah. in a huge, huge way. It created the merchandise. Also, who wore really movie T-shirts? I don't recall movie T-shirts until Star Wars came out and they had May the Force Be With You and all of those things. It was so many things came out because of that movie. And it was an absolute phenomenon. It was crazy. Yeah, even even really early on, there was the T-shirts and all the merch, which Mm -hmm. was kind of a, yeah. And now it's just an industry all into its own. You don't walk into a store or a restaurant without seeing somebody in some kind of Star Wars gear. And how many splitters? Like people always say, like with uh, certainly James Bond, if you look at how many Bonds there have been and how long it's been around. But if you look at, like look at Rocky, you know, Stallone's genius. He had Rambo, he had Rocky. He had a, a couple of those. He had the Expendables where, you know, they get a lot of sequels. But if you look at how Star Wars has now gone out, so it's on the, what's it, Mandalorian? Yeah, Mandalorian now, and you have uh, the Bad Batch. There's all kinds of new Star Wars stuff constantly coming around. And um, it used to be that actors, if you remember, the Natalie Portman wasn't thrilled with her Star mm-hmm. Wars experience because she felt like it got her typecast and felt like people were like, oh, you're one of those Star Wars. Now the big actors are all trying to get into these Star Wars roles, even bit parts, because it's kind of like one of those things to go, you know what, I was part of this big thing that was so big it was so much bigger than anything else that we have and that jake kid 
he was from Westlake. My mom knew him quite well. Like, oh, knew yeah. him very well. She worked at the school and had him there for like five years. And she said he was really a cool kid, and it just overwhelmed him. And then, you know, that movie bombed Check It's Box Office. Right. <laughs> it still did really well. The only thing that was miserable in that movie was... Oh, yeah, the Jar Jar Binks. That was hard to take. Yeah, there was there was some theory, Star Wars theory stuff that we were looking at where they thought that that J- he was supposed to become like this uh, traitor that was working for the dark side all along, and that all of his goofiness was intentional. And all. it's kind of funny when you get into the Star Wars fan fiction stuff, you start seeing their their theories. Not that I sit and read it, but when I see an article like that, I'll go, I'm gonna see what these these guys got going on. But Star Wars was definitely embarrassed by the character and and hacked him out. And Portman looked great in that film. Oh, she was amazing. Go good. So good. She yeah. was so, so good. I, I think they kind of leapt on it because the little kid didn't fit in. It didn't work out. So Star Wars, this is the date. Where were you when you heard the theme song? And you know what's funny about it? I was going to play a piece of it, but I have found on podcasts that I'm doing, other ones, if you play a piece of music that's of note, I, I get emails that got kicked out. Oh. I get emails from some of the weekend shows that I do that are on the podcast. So they say it's really a good idea not to. So because I'm getting picked. Interesting. And I don't know if they've become more popular or what has happened. 1965 was also a boxing match where Muhammad Ali, second time, uh, knocked out Liston, first rounder this time. Oh, yeah, wow. this, is the, uh, this is the anniversary of that, the great Muhammad Ali. I got attacked because I said he was uh, the greatest athlete of all time. Now, I'm not saying that he could, you know, throw a shot or, or put a shot, excuse me, or sling it. But when you look at everything he did and his style and all that, certainly you can go to Neon Dion and talk about that. Uh, basketball with Michael Jordan. We were talking about him yesterday. Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan. Terrific athlete. Yeah. But Ali, to me, was just something so different. Right. And I'm probably putting his lip into the— uh, greatest athlete too his personality because he was so good well yeah and he could sell a fight he was one of those first guys that really really mm-hmm. got it you know if i'm getting a part of the gate i want to make sure that gate's as big as possible yeah and he 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 really made boxing great so maybe technically there's better athletes uh, but certainly ali one of my favorites so now we got to finish up here with uh more lingo and uh, new words that are being made up and created. And this is one of my favorites, a situationship. This is where you are in a relationship where you're not really sure where it's going, and they are calling it a situationship. (laughs) I've actually heard that one before. Yeah, a situationship. (laughs) So the other one, and you might be in on this one too, where you uh, define terms. So... You're in a situationship, then you have a sit-down where you define the terms mm-hmm. of your relationship. What happened to the old days where there wasn't all this stuff out there? Right. I, we didn't have—it was just like, you want to go out? No. Okay. And you want it, it seemed kind of cut and dry. You yeah. were with, you know, it's boyfriend, girlfriend— and it was happening, but now we have things like situationships. Yeah, and if it, if it was something in the middle, then it didn't need a label because it was undefined. That's all. Now, do you do you uh, coach the kids on situationships or anything? I mean, I try to just have them. Tommy's be reasonable. the age. Yeah, yeah, he's there. I talk to Tommy about you know just being you know being respectful and understanding that any girl he talks to probably has a dad that's like me that doesn't really want his 
daughter, you know, being involved at, at an early age. So you have to be aware of that. And, you know, so I, I do try to talk to them about realistic stuff. That's a good way to put it, because what I've, I've told my son, Cole, I said, if somebody treated your sister poorly, what do you think I'd do to them? Mm-hmm. So think about the other dad knowing what I would do for Aubrey, what he might do. And I said, this way you got to go through life. You got to be kind. You got to be respectful. And it's uh, it's an interesting thing. But I don't want him to be in a situation ship. Yeah. I don't like these new words, these hybrids. It's already 1630. Look what we've done. Wow. What an amazing show. We had a great time today and another great time on 1590 Afterwards. Be sure to check us out. Giggles Live Radio Network, the KVTA app, and everywhere podcasts are found.